the Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook, talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them. Welcome to the Instructor Podcast. As always, I am your splendid host, Terry Cook, and I am always pleased to be here. I'm always even more pleased that you have chosen to listen. Now, every week on the Instructor Podcast, I talk to different leaders, experts, innovators, and game changers, looking at ways that we can help you improve your business and potentially become an even more awesome driving instructor. On today's shows, that is no exception, as I am joined by the uh, magnificent and wonderful human being, Nick Oaks. Now, Nick has joined me to talk about SEO and copywriting. Um, We go into quite a bit of detail on the things we can do to get your website ranked higher on Google searches, what that actually means, what SEO means, what copywriting is, and some cool little tips that we can use to improve our websites and improve our copy. But before we dive into that, we also spoke a little bit about ADHD. Uh, This was something that I'd come across on one of Nick's lives. Uh, I tuned into one of her lives and seen it, and it fascinated me. So we dive into that a little bit to begin with about how we can potentially help students with ADHD. And if we are on that spectrum or presenting as ADHD, what we can do to sort of help ourselves as well. So really interesting conversation with Nick. But just before we dive into the episode, I want to take a moment just to tell you about a new exciting thing that's coming up. So on the 17th of May and on the 17th of every month going forward, there's going to be a brand new podcast. It's called ADI Stories. And the basic premise is I'll be speaking to a driving instructor and we'll be talking through their journey as an ADI from how they got into the industry to where they are now and all the highs and lows in between. Now, if you hang about to the end of the show, I will tell you more about it there, where you can find it, all that kind of stuff. But that kicks off on May the 17th. So go check it out. You can search for every list of podcasts, find the link in the show notes, all that kind of stuff. But make sure I check out ADI Stories. That's from May the 17th, and it's going to be every month on the 17th after that. But for now, let's get stuck into the show. So welcome to the Instructed Podcast. And this week, I'm del- joined even by the ever-delightful Nick Oaks. How are we doing, Nick? I think I'm all right. <laughs> I think I've got most of my marbles today. <laughs> oh, well, if, as long as you've got most of them, we're okay there. I like to ask all my guests to start off with. Uh, th- this show, I like to speak to leaders, innovators, experts, and game changers. I like to ask you all, which one of those, or more than one of those, categories do you think you fall into? Well, I'm going to be greedy. I'm going to pick two. I would like to think I'm a change maker. Did you, what was the change? The, the change based one. Uh, yeah, game changer. Yeah. Yeah, game changer. Uh, because um, I have always been a really gobby, outspoken person. I care about things too much to stay quiet. And if I can see something needs to change, I try to change it. I don't cope too well with people moaning and doing nothing about it. But I've recently realised that that's the creative mindset and creatives are natural leaders. So we don't really like being led. You can inspire us and we'll follow you, but tell us what we've got to do. And you're going to get a load of uh, Tourette's. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Okay, cool. So uh, do you just want to start off by telling us a little bit about you and a little bit about what you do? 
Um, so I've kind of, I like to think of myself as like the modern day Edison, really, um, of businesses, because I found fucking God knows how many ways that you don't run a business. But um, in fact, I had a conversation like this with my son this morning. I was like, look, I'm going to trust you. But that includes you trusting yourself to make those mistakes. Um, so um, I've had like 20 years in the financial services industry. That was when I tried the grown up hat on for a bit. Um, I didn't, you know, I, I did it and I managed it. And I, I'm, a, I'm a numbers geek. I absolutely love numbers. So um, I was an actuary. So pensions and calcs that lasted days were, you know, um, equations and stuff. So, But I, I do love all that. But I hadn't realised um, that I could write. Um, so, But I, I set up a restaurant when I was 30. Um, so I, I used to own a Mexican restaurant. And then that closed in the recession. So I went back to the pension world. And then after that, like when I had my son, uh, I've got a 12 year gap between my kids. I was adamant that I wasn't going to go back to the corporate space because both my children were planned. I'm like, I'm not just going to have them, you know, in childcare. That's no disrespect to anybody else, obviously. Um, but while I was on maternity leave, um, I set up a magazine, a parenting magazine, and I've never done any of that before. So I'm very good at doing things. That I like the challenge. I like get, really getting the bit between my teeth. Um, so I'm not phased by not knowing things. And that, that, in fact, that's when I'm at my happiest. But then um, the magazine was a lot of work for one person. Um, and um, a coach said to me, like, you've just got to stop this. Uh, it's six people's jobs and you're trying to do it on your own. And I was, and it was insane. It really was insane. It wasn't, um, I was doing like 30,000 copies into local schools and things, but I was doing everything myself. I did all the design, the writing, uh, the sales of the advertising on the phone, uh, apps and the distribution, the relationships with the schools. And, but what I hadn't clocked while I was doing this, one of the things about me is I'm not very good at noticing what I'm good at. So what I hadn't clocked was even though I had a 96% um, return rate on my magazine, Still didn't occur to me that, you know, my, I was really good at advertising and the copy because I was writing all the copy for these clients. But I would get on the phone to, you know, I some of the longest standing no's from people because I'd ring them up. But I genuinely didn't want to said no, but I'm just genuinely, I love people and the quirks that we all have. Um, so when I was then told to stop, I was like, oh, shit, what am I going to do? Um, I just got on the phone to SEO agencies and said, look, you know, I've realised I can write. I can write really quickly. You guys need copy to optimise all your websites and stuff. And I just put some bundles together. And within a week, I was just completely fully booked. In fact, I was overbooked and turning people away because I my, my rates were a little bit too low, or probably significantly too low. And um, because I was trying something out, I was like, right, well, I'll just see, you know. So what I am really good at, and it feels weird saying that, um, but what I am particularly good at is finding a solution. Um, finding a way of doing things and I am like a terrier I am not going to stop until I found that way so um, I used to play five-a-side football and they were like you are the most tenacious player we've ever seen I was the only girl playing with the lads um, so yeah so my background is basically that I've done quite a few things but they all come together perfectly now with what I now do is write copy and coach people on how to write their copy because the humanistic side of that is where my passion is but articulating that you know putting that into words people really struggle with because they haven't got that lens on themselves to work out who they are what they do how they do things and then how to position that between the person that's reading it so all of that experience in me in my many many rotations of this planet <laughs> have furnished me with lots of understanding of people which works really well with words I mean there's a lot of interesting stuff there <laughs> but <laughs> the um the big thing I've got you to, uh, today to talk about is sort of the SEO side the copy side as you've said and 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 yeah. how we can 
as I suppose smaller driving schools and potentially people like me, one man bands can can yeah. utilize that and actually use that to our advantage. But just before we dive into that, I want to touch on something else because I, I saw a live that you did a, a couple of days ago where you were talking sort of largely about ADHD um, and that side of it. And I want to touch on that a little bit because I found it fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the initial thing I found fascinating was how you stopped sort of almost mid-live referring to it as ADHD and started referring to it as creative types, which I just found fascinating because it's just a, almost a different way of looking at it. Where, where's that term come from? What what made you switch it that way? So I love uh, Jordan Peterson. Um, I just binge on him. And he's got a fantastic video. Um, it might be worth you putting it in the show notes, actually, because he's got a fantastic video that shows you the plight of the creative mind because if you imagine so for instance if you if you were the first person to ever create a book nobody would know what like you've decided to call it a book but nobody's going to know that it's a book because they've never heard of this book thing before so you can't suddenly start promoting it because nobody understands it nobody likes change nobody likes new things we're like an element of new but not too new so as a creative you are constantly creating new concepts new versions of things that other people are not familiar with so you are constantly almost subliminally feared by people they're tentative about approaching you and because you're constantly creating new things you don't fit the safe stuff that people are already you know um familiar with so that's but that's that's not just one thing that is your entire like there's a phrase i use constantly and i will definitely mention this again later in that how you do anything is how you do everything so when you when i use the word creatives like i had to say to my mum that she's a creative she's like i'm not creative she thinks that a creative is you know somebody painting the sistine chapel she bakes every single day because that's how she manages her anxiety she bakes the most amazing cakes I'm like, so your baking is a creative then. But the creative approach is the ability to create from nothing. So if you think of the linear process of something being created and then completed, the creative, we are constantly coming up, firing new ideas. We are hyper-focused. We go into zones that we ignore everything until we can see our version of how that thing needs to be created. And then and, and I knew I, I was attracting creatives because I was attracting writers, you know, like with my, my own marketing. I enjoy that. Um, no, I'm going to go the opposite way around. I resist working with people that already know better, that already have a really uh, formalised idea of how things are done. I don't enjoy that energy. I don't enjoy, you asked before about which of the four I am. I'm never going to claim to be an expert because I don't like the feeling that expertise evokes in me. It feels Expertise feels like somebody that is already done. I don't do done. I'm, done. I'm all over. I want to do it. So when I actually realise that what we do when we go into that creative process is we zone out. We get super excited. We ignore absolutely everybody. Time disappears because the creatives are completely time blind. We fidget until we've got that thing out of ourselves. Um, so all of those things, and I find it hilarious that I've been working with creatives for two years and I did not see these patterns. Um, but when I then started to read, I then read and I started to explore it properly because I read that creativity is a byproduct of the ADHD brain because we are not already fixed. And there's something that's quite interesting on this as well, which might be relevant, might be particularly apt to your audience, because it's quite an insular role, you know, like what, you know, you're on your own, especially like you say, the one man bands. But an ADHD theory is that 
uh, we are the over we are the leftover hunters. So if you imagine man in the first formation, he's it's got you know he's hunting to stay alive. What do you need to hunt? You need to have hyper-focus. You need to be able to concentrate for ages. You need to be able to sound everything out, zone everything out. You need to have, like, an obsession, you know, because we super-obsess, we super-focus. So all of those traits, and then farming came along, and we now live in a farming society. But that ADHD setup that is still within some of us, that is the same as the hunter. And the way that I equated this to my son, who's potentially ADHD, I home-educate him, um, was I'd said to him, like, can you imagine getting an ADHD person and putting them into a group of quite formal, quite a formal setting, and they're all being super friendly and super chatty, and it's quite a structured setup. But the AD, ADHD person is going to be sitting there fidgeting, eyes darting around the room, not really paying attention to what's going on because we struggle with that. They're all the stuff that a hunter would need. A, hun- a hunter needs to be ready to run in case a saber-toothed tiger t- turns up. They need to be looking for danger constantly. Their, their senses are super heightened. And you need to be able to be on your own a lot to be able to do all that. Um, so the similarities were just absolutely huge. And then when they smacked me in the face, they really smacked me in the face. So I was like, I need to start interchanging these because if I just started talking about ADHD, People wouldn't recognise, if I just talk about ADHD, there's a lot of people that aren't um, diagnosed, so they don't resonate with that. They don't recognise that's what they might be. And the other is the creative. When I talk about creative, people think about artists and, you know, poets, and that's not it. It's an approach. It's that you are really solution orientated. So um, that's where the similarities came. So I'm, I'm using them very deliberately, interchangeably, because it is a huge byproduct of somebody who's not um, creative, not ADHD, really neurotypical, isn't usually particularly creative. Uh, I will just say that um, from the answer to that question, you've now given me three more ideas for podcasts. So <laughs> you know, uh, I think you might be coming back. <laughs> um, but I, there's, there's a few bits I want to pick up there. Um, first of all, one thing that clicked for me straight away, you gave the the example of the from Jordan Peterson of, of your, you know, if you were the first person to write this book, how would you sell it? No one would know what it was. You couldn't promote it. And it's interesting because with this uh, podcast, I run a, a paid subscription as well. I run through Patreon. And when I first started advertising that, no one had a clue what Patreon was. So yeah. no one was signing up. And that was part of the reason why no one was signing up. And it took someone to actually point that out to me. And I thought, oh, yeah, because no one knows what this thing is. So I just yeah. changed the word Patreon to premium and just called yeah. it a premium subscription. So it's still on Patreon. Yes. But, and as soon as I called it that, people started coming in and inquiring and signing up. And, I, and I've not looked at it the way you said it before, but that, that yeah. was interesting as well. And But I've got a bit of a tangent there for you as well. Um, so there's a guy... Um, his name will come back to me in a bit. Um, but he's got a book um, and uh, like it's gone for the moment. But like I say, I'll find, I'll, it'll come back when I'm talking about something else. Um, but he's got this theory of, um, so it, they did a test um, of how, there's, uh, the word new is one of the most consistent words in the in language across all generations it's the one thing that tends to evoke attention um, across any language across any age bracket and any generation but 
if something is too new, people don't like it. So they did a test where they, uh, I think it was, they had something like 100 uh, papers that they had written where people had to write about something. and that, But they measured it as to how new the concept of the thing was that they were writing about or how familiar it was. And they, um, they, you know, they marked on this arc of kind of how where they sat, and the ones that were that sat were in the middle were the ones that people liked the most. And Spotify had used to have a playlist uh, thing where if something was, they only introduced new music to you, and they had a bug in it at one point where um, old music was making its way into these new playlists. The, they were so much more popular than when they fixed the bug and it was only new stuff. So that familiarity is what we kind of need to feel safe. Um, so with you saying about the, you know, the, to just change a word to something that people are familiar with and only put an essence of new into it, they're completely fine. But these creatives that are going all out you, you know, we're, we're alienated because we're just, we're, we don't look remotely recognisable to what people are expecting. So it's, you know, it is actually quite a strange uh, space to um, inhabit. Uh, but yeah, the, so the new thing is, um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really powerful one. That, that's fascinating as well, because again, we're, we're already going on some big tangents here, but I'm taking this sort of into driving lessons. And when a learner yeah. comes into the car for the first time and everything's new to them, that's obviously when they're nervous and they're anxious and they're scared. Yeah. But yeah. if I can make it more familiar and yeah. talk about experience they've had, either maybe it's in a bike or, or the things I've seen as a passenger or anything like that, yeah. that's when they start to settle down. So yeah, it's I think interesting. Yeah, there's two things there. I think when, when something is new to you, nobody wants to look stupid. So the best thing you can do in any situation, not just the driving, but the best thing you can do when you're introducing something new is to do something to make it familiar. So that could be a story about when something's, you know, or equate it to how you do this, you know, like you, you know, like you might be doing this, but this is what you're already doing. And you might not have never driven before, but you do this already. And it's similar to that, you know, get them to see the bigger picture. And then the other is like, give them permission to make mistakes, you know, like, uh, you know, you probably all see this, you know, so if you tell them about when you did something really stupid, they instantly react, relax, you know, when you made a mistake or maybe not tell them when you crashed a car, but, <laughs> you know, but, but that, that permission with the newness of the new situation, especially in the driving space, that first lesson is just petrifying for people, isn't it? So let them know that you're there and you're expecting them to make mistakes and get things wrong. So it's fine. You know, that breathes a sigh of relief, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to kind of go back full circle back to at the beginning, talking about that live you did and the, the ADHD creative side of it, because there was, there was one thing in particular that resonated. And I, I love making connections and joining the dots because you were you were speaking about how people with ADHD, the creative types, often have a, a, lack, a lack of dopamine. So you will achieve yeah. something or you'll yeah. do something that with a... a, a person that doesn't have that will they will celebrate but someone that is uh, one of their creative types maybe won't celebrate and it really rung a bell for me I, I go right back to episode one of this season of the podcast where I did I, I did my record number of downloads ever I, I blew it out of the park and it was a goal of mine I want to do and I promoted it for a month beforehand and I did almost double my downloads yeah and I went what next yeah is that it yeah, yeah. what now and yeah. But then I look at my my learners as well, and, and you know, obviously not just mine. There'll be other people, and it's like they're the same sometimes. You know, where they'll achieve something, but immediately dismiss it and think, "What next?" You know, yeah, and I know yeah. that's not specific going to be ADHD for anyone, but 
for, for everyone it, it sorry isn't. you've got to so it's inspiring like I hate the word motivation because as I've recently realized I'm ADHD and one of the biggest issues that you have with ADHD is you're a big resistor so and that's you know there's all there's plenty of reasons we are petrified of being bored in something so you've got to inspire us we've got to have that creative outlet um, so you can't inspire somebody that is ADHD to do something. Sorry, you can't motivate someone that's ADHD to do something. You've got to inspire them. So, for instance, nobody's going to come to you for one driving lesson. They're going to want that, you know. The, so if somebody is like really struggling, like on, I don't know, fourth or fifth lesson, for me, I'd be talking about what they're going to be doing and going off to Alton Towers and stuff when they pass. I don't even talk about the actual lessons anymore. It would just be, what's the inspiration for them to be mobile, you know, like and bring it back to use the inspiration instead of the because the celebration doesn't work the celebration like the like you say with the the, the way that how i explained just briefly so um a standard person has their dopamine levels about here uh, an adhd person has them down here so and then when we have a stimulant because that's there's a, a, a you know stimulants are basically you know things like your caffeine your dopamine any, anything that gives you that dopamine hit so, I mean, obviously we hear about dopamine now more relation into screen time with kids, um, but it's valid because they need that dopamine hit to just bring themselves up to that, you know, that space. So somebody that is already, um, you know, well dosed with their dopamine, they get a dopamine hit of caffeine or something or, you know, too much caffeine just before bed and they're not sleeping because their brain is up here going absolutely mental because they're overstimulated. Whereas with us, we have it so, and it comes up to a, a level headed. So, if you've got a panic or a um, an emergency, then that that gives you a dopamine hit. So that brings it up to here. So we've in an emergency, we're amazing because we we've, we've then got a level head where somebody else would go to pieces. So and this is uh, you know I mentioned to you before possibly um, that in the emergency services there's a really high incidence of ADHD people in that because they can keep that level head. They don't panic, you know. And you know obviously you guys, the thought of being a passenger like all day would sends most people into you know panicking themselves whereas you guys are capable of doing that so you know there's possibly some similarities there but that but that reward mechanism we just don't have so like even when you've got some like you might be excited when somebody else has passed their test for instance because you're genuinely excited about that person that you've built a collaboration with but if somebody said to you oh you've passed your own test you'd be like yeah, well, that was what I was expecting to do. That was the whole point of the lessons. You know, like, we just we, we, we just dumb it down. We're like, we don't excite it. You know, we don't get excited. But if you then said, right, you can go driving now, um, you know, like, over to do something, you forget about the fact that you passed. And you're like, next, what can I do with it? So, yeah, it's we, we've been skanked. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, would you have any suggestions on how to handle that? And, and I'll use the driving as, as the example. Here. So you've got the learner. They're doing stuff that you want them to be proud of. And I realise that's almost selfish, me wanting them to be proud, but you want yeah. them to achieve it. But like you said, we it's harder to motivate that person if they've got ADHD. So any is there anything we can do in that situation in particular or would it just be um, almost sort of carry on as normal? Um, I think the biggest thing for me, so I have to do this with my son because I've been home educating him. I don't want him to just just do things. I don't want to go through the motions with anything. I'm, inca- I'm I'm actually incapable of doing that. So, but obviously, there's part of the learning process that that, that they've just kind of got to do. So, I think like if, if it was me, like how could I make it more interesting for them? You're kind of breaking a bigger goal down into small pieces, aren't you? So you could like do a mini celebration, but what you could do is like for me, I, I think I'd prefer to know that I'm three 
twentieths of the way through and you're doing it like the actual celebration for me is that you're closer to the thing it's not that you I think uh, I don't know if everybody does this but I know both of my kids do this and I know a lot of kids do this you know when your kids come home from school and say oh you had a nice day we don't want to think about what we've already done please don't make me dig that up tell me like tell me we're going to do this next Tuesday and I'm really excited about that so I for me my I think my only tip would be what before you start maybe have some milestones but the milestones aren't necessarily full lessons it's not that you've done four lessons it's well the milestones are handling the gears like handling this handling an emergency stop um and just you know like just put those into milestones and they can do those little celebrations and it might be that you surprise them with something so it could be something as small as a lollipop just to say look you will recognize that you've <laughs> achieved something here um and even if you're not going to recognize i'm going to do it because you've put a memory onto it so i would say it don't just just acknowledging the thing probably isn't enough, but actually maybe putting a surprise, attaching a surprise to it in some way, you know, maybe not screaming at them or something like making them jump or something, but yeah, just, just something that makes it a memory. So they're like, Oh yeah, I have. And just, there is that acknowledge it, but just do something that makes it memorable. Even if it's only humor, um, you know, even if you gave them a stat that is something like, did you know that I don't know, 45 people 45 million people every year like back out of driving lessons and you're now one of the other ones so I would just it would be it would show them that they are the difference for me that that's probably how I do it um but it's more that I would say right you are this you know this much closer now to that thing so maybe with their first lesson say why do you want to learn to drive what's one of the first things you're going to do once you passed and if they say, I'm just going to keep going back to Walton Towers, so like it's driving your mates to Walton Towers, you're like, right, you, you know, you're one closer to the oblivion now. Um, so because it takes the pressure off what they're doing. So that would be my approach, but I don't know. <laughs> but I, mean, I think actually celebrating um, the win is, is, is negligible because we just do not get that award system. I think it, I spoke before about joining the dots and just listen to what you're saying there. There's, there's two things that stand out for me. One, you mentioned like statistics. And I've got some students that present as ADHD and, and they love the fact that on the, the app that I use, they can see the percentage of the, the way they are through the course. And at yes. the end of the lesson, when they're like, oh, fill this in now, let's yes. see where you're at. Yeah. And then they yeah. see it's moved forward a little bit or, yeah. or how much I've got left. And, and, and that provokes a bigger response from them actually doing something which so that well, ties in what you're saying the there. thing that you need to think about with the adhd peeps is they are in their senses they are they, we've got really heightened senses so if you can bring something back to a sensory thing so that's visual um the driving obviously there's a lot of stuff going on with their driving but if you can bring their progress back to something sensual sensory not sensual you might get arrested <laughs> for that if you can bring it back to something sensory that is you know like when, when while they're learning um clock yourself so there's there's different learning styles isn't there so some people are kinesthetic so touch um or activity is how they learn things how they actually incorporate the, the information some people are really visual so that visual stimulus of how they're doing um, but you'll know so if somebody turns up absolutely pristine or really quirky you'll know they're a visual person if you if somebody turns up and they've got clothes that are all similar color and they blend that's usually a sign that they're a kinesthetic touchy person 
Um, if they're a digital thinker like me, which is where I, even though I'm visual, my predominant one is that I need to have all the information, I need to process it in my own way, and then I need to like work and digest it myself. Or there's auditory, like which is my son. I've only got to tell him something once and it is in, and it'll hold me to ransom over it for the rest of my life as well if I ever change, you know, <laughs> if I don't deliver. Um, so if you look at how they learn, then and then equate to the systems that you've got in place, then so for the visual ones, that visual thing, whereas maybe it's that they need to hear, even if they looked at the app, it might be that they need to hear you saying, oh, you're this far through now, and then they'll get excited about it. So while you're having your lessons with them, just gently clock, well, how do they do things? And then equate the information that you give to them to that learning style. But in, in but then with the ADHD people, because that's what you need to do with everybody anyway, but with the ADHD people, turn it up, like turn it right up. You know, it's full volume. It's, you know, like those senses are really heightened, but they live in those senses. So equate it to something of their senses and it will land. Yeah. And I think that's even stepping back from sort of the creative side of it, like you said, to me, that's just being personal. That's just being personable with someone and treating people as individuals and learning learning from that and and that goes back to something you said quite early on in this episode you were speaking about um sort of humanizing things uh which you know i love a little segue for me there taking you into the the ceo and copy side of it and <laughs> how we can humanize ceo s not ceo seo and and copy but so i, I want to kind of dive into that side of it now if i can so i think the first yeah. i'm going to ask you these two together initially um because i think a lot of people don't actually know what it is so SEO, which is search engine optimization, and copy. Okay. What are these two mythical things that we hear people <laughs> talk about all the time? So, so when you're talking about, so, so for instance, if you're doing social media stuff, um, if you weren't in that space, anything that is written is classed as copy. So a book would be copy. You know, like yeah, anything that's written down basically is copy. So if you if you were putting an advert into, um, you know, driving instructions advert into the uh, news, local newspaper, they're going to say to you, you've got the copy to go with that. It's always used as copy. But what's quite confusing is as soon as you, we, we've had this launch of like social media world, you copy is now classified as something that has an intention to it. Um, so you, it's classed as sales, you know, almost sales, but there's a call to action on copy. So with your adverts, it's copy. Uh, whereas generally talking on social media, you're filling your foods up with content. You're keeping people, you know, like you're, it's, it's the chatter. So I equate the difference as being your uh, content is the chatter at the coffee machine at work. It's letting people know what you did at the weekend. It might be sharing a picture of your dog. All that stuff is okay because people want to know that you're a human being behind your business. So that's your content is your chatter. Um, and then the copy is when you go back to work to your desk and that's where the intention, you know what you're doing, that time has an intention and that's where you, your copy is then saying, well, this is why you need to do this. You know, like it might be, and it's got that call to it. It's got a very clear intention to it. It's not just chatter. So that's what copy, so copy is anything written where you tell people something about yourself that, you know, could be a potential solution for them and then they can act on it. Um, so that's the copy. The SEO side of it, so the search engine optimization is obviously the search engines 
they've got so many algorithms that there's there's you've seen it you do a search in google and you've got billions of results in like nanoseconds um so it goes to a hell of a lot of copy for it to be able and words and content for it to be able to choose what it thinks you were looking for and i think like people a lot of people slate google but i think if you want to look at any business model You've got to look at Google because they spend billions on making sure that they are exactly what that user wants. So if you're ever confused about what to do with your own business, go and start looking at how Google would do something. Start Googling things and look at what Google presents the information to you and look at the trends that you can find and that will really help you. But in terms of what the optimization is, it's having what you have online presented in a way that when people are searching for your services, they can find it. But the, and that sounds really simple. So if you've got a driving instructor's website and you are in Chester, you know, and that, so you'd have words in there that will basically say, you know, like a driving instructor in Chester, like when people search for it, there's an intent for them to find it, you come up. But the problem that you've got is, I mean, Google's fantastic at intent and I'll cover that in a bit to help you out a bit. But the problem that you've got is you're not the only driving instructor in Chester. So, Chester, so what Google will look at is, well, which is the best person to present? And this is where your optimization comes in, which I'll explain how that, you know, how you, what you can do to help yourself with that. But in in a nutshell, that's, that's it. Does that help? <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely does. But just before we dive into that side of it, I'll kind of give you an example that relates to me because I find all this fascinating. I really do. And I'm going to try and not go to in the route of just making it about me and what I want to know this time. I want to present it for the listeners as well. But the, the one that really caught my attention recently was on the, the, the podcast because the search engine for a podcast is pretty much identical to when you go onto a search engine for Google or anything like that. And I've seen someone comment, I think it was on Facebook, that they couldn't find any podcast for driving instructors. And I'm like, why? why? What are you searching for? And I went on and I searched for driving instructor, driving lessons, all that kind of stuff. And it's coming up with the instructor podcast first on almost everything. All right, so why can't... And then I... Ah, because the acronym for a driving instructor is ADI. So I typed in ADI, nothing. There's no podcast under that's come under the search for ADI. And I looked at all of my copy on my show notes and descriptions and, and ADI was nowhere. All right, like, okay. all right. So now I've got to start putting ADI into everything. Uh, yeah. including that so that now if someone goes onto the, the the podcast search engine and types in ADI it'll actually bring up these episodes and, and that's just essentially it isn't it we are just taking a brief pause in the show first of all to thank you for listening as always I do appreciate you tuning in and I appreciate a lot of the feedback I get as well but I'm also going to take a moment just to remind you about the Instructor Podcast Premium because if you're enjoying these shows hopefully you can enjoy them even more with the Instructor Podcast Premium because if you sign up to that you get a whole host of benefits including access to the shows early and ad-free as well as that, you also get a whole host of different shows. So we have stuff around the standards check, which you may have heard last week. We had an example of that show with Chris Benstead. Uh, there's currently five of those at the minute. The sixth one will be out later this month. We've got shows around things like coaching and about how we can improve your business. All that awesome content going on over there. 
it's not just the awesome content, and there is some awesome content, but also the benefits you get. So some of the discounts, for example, uh, you get a 16% discount with GoRody. You get a 33% discount. I keep saying 30, but it is 33% discount with Bob Morton and his client-centered learning subscription. And you also get 50% discount on the ADI or PDI doctor, all of Lee Sperry's services and products over there. So you can see by joining up to Instructor Podcast Premium, I'm continuing to offer you a host of additional benefits and discounts and a load of quality shows as well. Definitely go check it out. Subscribe, £10 a month to get all those discounts. If you don't like it, feel free to tell me. I'll happily see if I can make some changes or you can always leave. But I do appreciate everyone that joins up. It's a brilliant way for you to support the show, but even if you don't sign up, I appreciate you listening. And if you want to support the show, you can always sign up for £2 a month. That obviously helps me out as well. Or take a moment to share the show. Tell people on social media where they can find it. Share an episode. Go and tell people what your favourite episode is. Put in a WhatsApp group, whatever. Any of those things are much appreciated as I try and take this show out more to the masses so it can help even more driving instructors. But for now... Let's dive back into the show. I don't tend to, I don't ever want to bamboozle people with, um, with, you know, with, with bigger words. Um, but because I homemade my son, I am, this one comes up, but what, one of the things that will help you. So what you want to do, so I'll give you a little bit of an example. I was um, setting up, I was doing some SEO for a client a few weeks back and she does uh, juice bars. Um, she's Australian and she does all the juicing. And um, she was really, but she's also a nutritionist. And I, I kept putting dietitian into her um, copy. And she was really anal about the fact that I don't want a dietitian and I'm not a dietitian. I was like, no, you're not, but you're, you've got to optimize for the uneducated. What will they be searching for? What will they be looking for? And I, if I knew that I'd got an issue with my diet, I'd go dietitian first rather than nutrition. And then I go, I went into Google Trends, which I'll, I'll cover that in a second if you like. But if you go into Google Trends and find, look what people are looking for, you can do comparisons. So not dietitian versus nutrition you know, in the UK over the last 12 months. And I showed her that dietitian just won absolutely loads. So you've got to sweep up. Uh, I'm going to say it's a total love. It's not with anybody, but just sweep up the stupid. You know, how much of the, um, that's just, a, I wouldn't say that because it's an easy way to um, think of it, but really dumb down, you know, what are the, if you, if you, especially if you're somebody like you guys are dealing with some really young kids, for instance, you know, if they've just, you know, just passed, you know, like um, driving age and they're literally straight on there. They're not going to be, uh, you know, savvy about what they need to be looking for. They're just going to be like, I want, I want to drive an instructor or whatever. So, yes, yeah, sweep up the, so the synonyms of everything um, that it could. If you're if you're writing your copy and you want to optimise it, just jump into Google and write synonyms for this. And then just make a note of, you know, four or five words that over a period of time, you can just get into your, you know, right when you're writing about it. Just so the way that I do it is I just literally write whatever I want, then I'll jump into Google and do some synonyms and I switch a few words out at the last minute. So the flow of the language is still there in that humanistic way that we speak, but I didn't keyword stuff it because Google will know that you're doing that. So go in, once you've finished it and once you've finished writing something, then go and look at some synonyms and look at where you can switch a few words around to include them so that you haven't changed the, you know, the syntax of our language, how we speak. Uh, but you've you've beautifully optimised it with hardly any extra work. Yeah, 
So, so for example, as, as driving instructors, we get assessed and we get grades. So we have a grade B or a grade A. But a student, so someone, like you say, 17, looking for an instructor, they're not going to go to Google and type in grade A driving instructor. Right. They're right. going to go and type in driving instructor near me. Yeah, absolutely. So the, there's almost no point. I shouldn't say no point in putting grade A on your website because obviously it's a good thing to have on there, but it wouldn't necessarily be the thing you're doing to optimise searches. Well, it was quite interesting what you said before because you said, um, I don't want to make this about me, but you should make it about you because whatever you are thinking is what is likely to be what everybody else is thinking as well anyway. Um, so like, I, I've, I'm, like I say, I'm 49. I've been driving since I was 18. I have never even heard of the grade A, grade B thing with <laughs> driving instructors. So it, like, in common language, in common behaviour, unless somebody is really doing their due diligence on a driving instructor and you know and they're already in that arena there's going to be quite a lot of the stuff that unless you're actually in the circles of driving instructors it's going to be you know like it, superfluous you just don't need it it's not that you know, there's no need for it at all you've got to so that the, in uh, in marketing so whether it's your social media whether it's your website whether it's just your conversations You'll do it in conversation, actually, because somebody will ring you and say, oh, I've got a driver, you know, I'd like some driving lessons. You're going to ask them a few questions. And what you're doing with those questions is you're meeting them where they're at. You're finding out where they are at first. This is what you need to do in advance with your content and copy. You've got to meet people where they're at, talk about what the issue, talk about the issues that they might be facing when they're looking for a driving instructor. You know, like, what are they worried about? Um, all those things, those, those genuine fears and concerns and considerations you have when you're making those decisions that you're having when they ring you up get that into your social media stuff like it could literally be just a question say you know like did you know we do this and it could be the you know the alter the flip side it could be the answer to the question you're being asked um but over a period of time people start to notice that so as again i'll use me as an example a small driving school um and i've got my little website what can i do in my website to make that be more findable you know you've got all the the big boys you read to your aa that kind of stuff they're going to appear at the the top of the generic searches but what can i do to get mine higher up those google searches so one of the things i tend to get people so where if you imagine the website if you're looking pure if you're comparing purely websites you're kind of fighting a lost cause if you are going up against the big boys because they are paying thousands across the country for national optimization and that national optimization will also include them looking at what's going on at a local level so they know what they're doing and they're, they're you know there's hundreds and thousands being invested because it's thousands to optimize a website a year but when google is looking for the best fit what it's looking for is authority and trust Okay, so it wants to know that you know what you're talking about and it wants to trust that you are what you say you are. Um, and that's that, and that's what gets you to rank, okay? And the way that you can do that is, if you imagine um, you've got loads of articles um, over a period of time, I don't mean just suddenly, you know, get a load on there, but if you've got into the habit of once a fortnight, writing a quick article um, of, say, a thousand words, and it might be, and that sounds like a lot to somebody who doesn't necessarily write, but you could, um, you know, could, could transcribe it. But start noticing, if you just have a little notebook in your car while you're doing your driving lessons, start looking at the conversations that are coming out of people, um, you know, about their about their lives, about, you know, what they're struggling with. Because it doesn't have to only be about the lessons, but you can always segue it back to the driving lessons. But in terms of going back to the trust and the authority piece, 
what Google will see, where he gets the authority um, criteria from, is plenty of words on your website that are relevant to your industry. So by you, so so if if Google's got two websites, ignoring the massive players, okay, if you've got a few local driving instructors, um, if you had three relatively similar quality websites, you know, as in one of the things that Google's going to look at first is things like, you know, is, is the website functional, you know, is or, or, so make sure you try and break your own website first because then you know that the user experience is fine because nobody's going to stay on a buggy website and Google looks at how quickly people bounce off your website. So if they don't like your site because it's just too slow, things like you need to be looking at sp speed and stuff like that. But ignoring the technical side of the SEO, um, if it's got three similar quality sites that are all working perfectly, it's then going to look at the incidence of how how many words are relevant to what that person is looking for. Um, so, so that's one thing. I just need to briefly cover how Google works with intent because that will help you understand. So you 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 know we know this in in normal language, but um, when you if you Googled, um, say like you're going to buy, you say like you're going for a curry. Okay, if you put um, curry in a curry, curry uh, Indian restaurants near me, um, no, if you put curry um, into a, a search here in Chester, Google would assume that you're either looking for a curry house or you're looking for a recipe for curry. So, but if you then put curries near me, um, you know, so curries isn't a perfect word, but you know what I mean. Google is going to know from the language whether you're looking for um, something to do now. That they'll know how close you are to buying. Um, so if you're researching something, you're going to ask a question about driving, for instance. You won't say driving instructors near me. You'll say, you know, what's the braking distance or something. Um, there'll be questions. So Google will know that's a question about driving, but it's not that you're going to book a driving lesson because it doesn't sound remotely like it's about to be acted on. So it might then drive you, take you to a blog on your site that will tell you about driving uh, braking distances because that's what they asked for. Uh, but then if you're looking for driving instructors near me, they know that there's a really high intent there. So your language needs to cover um, the, the different intents that you have. So there's, uh, if you imagine how close you are to a sale, um, if you've got book your driving lesson section, you don't say, oh, you need to be driving because of all this. You actually say, this is how long the lesson is. You've got the real nuts and bones, uh, you know, nuts and bolts. That's meat and bones, nuts and bolts <laughs> um, of the lesson. There's no padding around it. Google understands that a sale, an intent to buy right now, doesn't need the waffle. So you'd need that kind of intent. So, but that would be your book a lesson section. So you've covered that. But then if you've got other stuff in there that is the inquisitive stuff, that covers the other intents as well. Um, so, but then, so we might go back to those three sites, for instance, that are comparing each other. Google's going to know that it can, Google's going to know that you're an authority because you've got more copy on your site about the thing. So it will be like, oh, okay, they've mentioned driving. They've got, I don't know, 40,000 uh, words on their website and most of it's about driving. They've got, this one's got 3,000 words on it about driving. Um, that's not, I don't feel quite so, I feel a bit more iffy about that. I'm going to go with the 30,000 one because there's plenty for me to go on there. So that's that's basically the upshot of how you would optimise um, your, your website. But for your guys, I would say get yourself a Google My Business listing 
So, but on your, whether it's your Google, I'll, I'll talk about that in a sec, but if, whether it's your GMB listing, your Google My Business listing, or it's your website, get things like reviews on there. Reviews are, I always equate, used to equate this to, do you know how I said the bouquet out of keeping up appearances? Yeah. Yeah, so she didn't ever want to look stupid, did she? She's not going to invite somebody to a candlelit supper um, that might, you know, that, that, that isn't with the in crowd, that isn't going to, you know, boost her kudos. That's Google. If Google thinks it, it's going to show up that website and it's going to be a pile of shit, it's going to be really pissed off. So it's not going to show you that. It's going to show something that is going to really shine at the candle at supper. You know, like you're all the things that that person's going to looking for because otherwise they're going to go off to Bing or a different search engine if it kept messing up. Google's really good at what it does. So if you play by Google's rules, which isn't even tricky anymore the advances that have been made have made life a lot easier for us um you're optimizing it so your only job really is just to get into a habit and start putting articles on there and that will make a difference but get things like your reviews on there um, and i mean reviews i don't mean just testimonials i mean actual reviews but in terms of local optimization get a few words in there about you know like it might be that you write a blog about um you went and visited somewhere locally maybe you had a really nice day at the local abbey or something um but just put something in there so that google knows that when people are looking for something near me google trusts that that website is actually local as well so put a few little pointers about like the area in there um and that you cover don't keyword stuff your words you don't need to anymore so keyword stuffing is where you just keep putting loads of words that you think just speak in the way that we do this is so they used it used to be that you'd have to have like the more the more keywords in there the more it showed up whereas now google knows when we speak we don't keep putting those words into our sentences. And if it sees too much of that, it actually downranks you. So just, just be yourself. It doesn't matter if your grammar isn't perfect. It doesn't matter if your writing isn't perfect. Because after a while, there's a lot of your language that Google actually ignores. But it, you know, they're called stock words. They're all the filling words like in, that, do, if. They're all ignored. And then Google looks at what's left. So the relevance of what's left is what it then compares to the other sites. So if you just write... Get into the habit of writing blogs about, you know, that are helpful to your learners. Look at who your core audience are as well. Um, so, for instance, if you're saying you've got a high instance of ADHD clients, I would assume from that that you've got a sense of humour about you, that you play, you know, you, you teach them playfully rather than it being like a really serious lesson. Well, that approach probably isn't going to work for some, um, I don't know, doctor that wants to retake his lessons after like years or something. I don't know, but somebody that's really formal probably going to hate your approach so really look at who you're speaking to and then think right what kind of things do they like get that into the style of how you're writing and showing up and they will like you because this is the purpose of your website as well you're not only um letting them know that they can get driving lessons from you they're choosing whether they're going to enjoy well you know spending that time in the car with you as well and that's that's really cool so just be you you know, because then you'll have loads of clients that you really enjoy as well. Um, and then, so the Google My Business listing, um, that's free. So just Google that. I won't go into too, deep, too many details because if you if you Google it, Google actually gives you instructions on how to set it up. But Google My Business listing is, if you searched for a restaurant near me, it's a GMB listing that's going to come up. So if you look at, when you do a search result, you've normally got four adverts. You've not, then you've got three, it's called the three pack, um, three uh, local listings of the thing. Then you've got the, sometimes you've got a snippet of information um, and then you've got um, the top ranking websites. If you can get into that three pack, 
you're ahead of the big boys, uh, way ahead of them. So you're, I would say it's going to be easier for you to rank locally using your Google My Business listing than it is to rank with um, your website. Um, and doing things like every time that you can, get a review out of somebody and get them to pop it on your GMB listing. Um, and then and the, the more of those, Google will just love it. Get photos of your car. Get uh, You will need to put your address on it. You can hide your address. Um, but Google wants to know that you're a physical location, even though you but you service an area, that's fine. You can hide your address because you service an area. Um, but it, uh, that would be perfect for driving instructors because you could get, like I said, it's completely free. And then use that in the same way that you start using your social media. Um, so you can put posts on there. Um, so instead of only putting your posts on your social media, pop them on your Google listing as well. Uh, people have got your contact details in one place. And the more populated your GMB listing is, the more likely you are to come up ahead of your other uh, driving instructors in your local area. Then you've got a benefit here in that you've got a radius that you'll be working within. So there's only so many people that you need to compete with. Um, and you will start coming up ahead of the big, big boys if you keep doing that. Um. There's going to be a lot of people listening to this episode that are pausing to make notes, which because there was a lot of good stuff there. And in fact, it's, it's interesting sometimes I can see, obviously I don't know person by person, but the, the number of listeners compared to the number of downloads or number of times an episode has been listened to. And I think this is a sort of episode that's going to be listened to twice. I think I think they're <laughs> going to listen to it, get an idea, then go back and take notes. Because a couple of things, well, a few things I want to go back and touch back on there just from listening to that it's making me realize how little i'm doing with my google my business stuff um it's there i'm doing yeah. bugger all of it so i'll definitely go and do some stuff with that but the things i want to touch on you mentioned about articles so with articles i'm presuming you mean like uh blogs and, and that, yeah. that side yeah. of stuff um as an example just just for anyone listening i, I think and again I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this um i think a, a good example of a blog there would be maybe even like reviewing the local driving test center because oh yeah definitely yeah yeah you're going to be talking um, about driving tests and driving lessons and you're going to be using words like bradford or whatever your area is yeah and just, just step inside the head so i mind map a lot so get a piece of paper right so oh, yeah there's a little exercise for you so get a piece of paper Step inside the head of the choose one of your past customers, okay? To or, or you know, like one of your um past students that particularly stood out for you. You know, it might be one that was a little bit challenging, it might be one that was really nervous. Choose somebody in your head, and like in the marketing world, we say choose you know an ideal client avatar, choose a person that you can, I think it helps if you can find a physical person rather than just making up some, you know, like arbitrary person. But so in terms of your marketing and speaking to people, if you know that you've already got somebody through that process, think of one in the past, okay? And then get a piece of paper and write down all the things that they would have been thinking about before they made that first call. Think about all the things that they struggled with, you know, their knowledge retention. Think about how they were when they were coming up for their theory test. Think about how they were, you know, like what were they wobbling about? Like what is an ideal car for a you know, learner driver you know like what are your um what are you excited about when you want to pass your test so any of these are perfect you know like so but get get your mind map and you know right in the middle what are my students thinking about and it could be like you know when they first start and then mind map off that like what are they worried about what are they concerned what are they excited about and all of those are ideals for art ideas for articles they're all stuff like things like your you could go down the um you could mix them up a little bit. Like I would definitely get the um, 
hand the handbook, the stuff the stuff that people really struggle with. If you've got ways that you help your students to remember how you know some of the knowledge that they particularly struggle with, for instance, that's a fantastic article or blog. But, you know, write that down. You know, some of the conversation. When notice now, um, if if you make an intention that you're going to write a blog once a month or once a fortnight on your website, you're then in the space where you are looking for ideas for that, and the conversations that, that you have with your students are the best place that you're going to be finding them because you'll 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 click you'll feel yourself doing that thinking oh that'll be a great thing to write about because it's real and you know that if one person is talking about it they're all thinking about it. So I would go into the space of where's the fears and the resistance of your clients. That's one of the things because. People don't want to look stupid. They don't want to ask, you know, like they, people will talk themselves out of finding the information in person. But if you can cover all that on your website, you've done one of two things. You, you've done, one is that you're optimising your website, but the other is you're giving them an instruction to you, an introduction to you. And there's a kindness that will come through there's, that you'll help them relax because there'll be a style to have, the fact that you've even thought enough to thought ahead, to give them all this information. And then the best, the reason why this works really well is because when somebody finds an article that is really helpful, they share it with all their mates. This is what you're optimizing, especially that young, like get, if you are with the student, when I say students, I mean like college students. If you're in that kind of arena, they talk. We all know that there's, there's no better optimization than word of mouth and recommendations. But if some, even nowadays, a recommendation isn't usually enough. People will get a recommendation and then they will go online and research them. And if there's an absence of you online, that actually causes a little bit of hesitance. So if you can give them all the things they're looking for to reassure them that that recommendation was valid and you are the person for them. And if you've got articles and blogs and chatter on there that, you know, is you, is you know, loaded with the gorgeousness that is that character that you are. Because if you don't do that um, well, um, and you just go into the formal mode of writing articles, then there's there's a bit of a um, disparity when they come and then work with you, you know, come and learn with you. Because you're like, oh, you don't feel like how you were. Or if you're really jovial and you've been really formal on your site, they're like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Um, so, yeah, so just, just be yourself. But when you've got that piece of paper coming up with all the things to write about, another thing you can do is go into Google and just look at Google Trends. So if somebody is, you know, hesitant about, like, passing their theory test, go and look at, um, go and search it in Google trends in the uk go and do searches just in google one thing that's quite handy there's something called um, answer the public so you can go into that and that's free um, on google um, but another thing is um, half ask your question you know where google makes suggestions for you if you half ask it then look at the questions look at the other things that have come up and that's what other people are asking around that topic so make a note of those and those can all be blogs as well so there's, there's loads of like once you get started, the, the, the biggest thing, because I know everybody is busy, but the biggest thing is actually just getting into the habit of doing it. But once you do get into the habit of doing it, like probably you guys have probably got a lot of time between lessons. So if you use something like Otter, um, which is a free subscription uh, tool you can use on your phone, if you've just had a lesson and you've got 10 minutes before the next one, but one of your pupils just, you know, we have said you're driving and you think, oh, that would be a great topic. Make a little note between your lessons transcribe to yourself i mean you don't necessarily have to use otter if you use a voice note in your phone then when you get home go and open a google document and put voice note voice typing on play that uh transcript that memo into google and you've got your article um so you know like you've got little ways you don't have to be a writer to write 
um, there's little ways around it. But if you fight, if you start with the intention of, uh, you know, filling that site up with lovely information for your students, then, you know, like that, that can only benefit them, can't it? And you. Yeah. And I, I think um, another one there, you know, not necessarily in a blog, but you could do a, a separate page on your website for this. Like you mentioned going on Google and the half type in a question and then seeing what comes up. Well, you've got your frequently asked questions there as well. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great one to have on your website. But a frequently asked questions section is a really good way of optimizing your site because people will have the same questions, you know. So, but then I would um, start off with your frequently asked questions section. But then you can only put uh, like about. So one thing on optimization for that actually, um, when you are in Google Next and ask Google some questions, and you'll find that you've got that snippet. Okay, so when people are ranking their websites really well and they're in position number one, ahead of that is the rich snippet. And if you can get into the rich snippet, which is that little box that's got, you know, when somebody asks a question, you just get one. In fact, we almost expect it now. You've got one paragraph that answers it perfectly. The rich snippet is position zero. That's ahead of So you could have a really crap website. But if you've got the answer to that rich snippet, they're going to click that first. So, and your frequently asked questions are perfect for that. So, if you're going to ask a frequently asked question, sorry, if you go into Word, a frequently asked question on your site, go into Google, type that question in, see what rich snippet comes up, copy and paste it into your website, and then change it so that you're not plagiarizing it, but change it as least as possible. You'll notice which are the keywords, but keep that structure. So, say like it's 100 words. Keep the structure as close to the 100 words as you can, and you are going to have a chance of getting into Like, I love playing with the rich snippets. Like, if I can get something into a rich snippet, I'm really happy. Um, if you can get yourself into the rich snippets, you're ahead. So, but your frequently asked questions are perfect for that. I'm, uh, I'm loving these tips. Uh, the other one <laughs> I wanted to ask you about there, because you mentioned a few times about being you and, and using your own voice. And this is something that I struggled with for, for years. I was scared to open up online. You know, I was scared, whether it's yeah. a website, Facebook, whatever. I was scared to talk about personal stuff. I was scared to let my own voice go. And I struggled not just to let it go, but to find it and find how I sounded when I, I typed. So would you have any advice or suggestions for anyone that was either scared to, to let themselves talk or that didn't know how to find their own voice in those situations? Definitely. So one of the biggest things is we are all our own biggest critic critic. So we look at ourselves. So I remember on uh, Netflix, my TV's up there, that's why I pointed up there. So on Netflix, there's a really good program at the moment called The Mind Explained. Um, and I think this is really valid for uh, people that are online because there's one on the teenage brain. And what it says basically is when we hit the teenage years, bearing in mind we haven't got that critical faculty yet, it's not built until we're in our 20s. Our logical thinking isn't there. Um, so we don't apply logic to how we think. So we're automatically being um, observed heavily by the, our peers and, you know, teachers and like, you know, everybody thinks that teenagers are idiots anyway. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. But one of the things that's really handy about it is they were saying in this programme that teenagers have a virtual, a pretend 
board of critics around them. And I think this happens when we go to go into the online space. This board of critics aren't even there, you know, but they think they are, which is why they're so, you know, feel like they can't be themselves. They're so hyper-focused on, you know, how they show up, what they do. Do they fit with the populars or are they sporties? You know, like there's just this real, where do they fit in society? But that's really hard for them to do because they've got this board of this critical board around them that are constantly picking at them and criticizing them, but that, that doesn't exist. But I think that happens in the online space. So as soon as you go online, especially in the UK, we're not taught to brag. We're not taught to, you know, like we don't talk about money. So putting our prices on things, we're up against quite a few things. So we're automatically going straight into the things that we feel the most uncomfortable about. Um, so one of the things is you're just going to have to. Um, one thing that I found really helpful for this is separate yourself from your business. So even though you're going to be taught, even though I say be you, do it in a way that you realise that if they don't want that thing, it's not that they don't want you, it's that they don't want your services. So make sure that you keep that distinction of where you start and stop and where your business starts and stops. So even though you're talking about your business in your own style and your own personality, it is still your business. So make sure that you have that first distinction. Um, and then um, just ignore that panel that are there because th th they don't actually exist, but we think they are. So, But it feels like the equivalent of throwing ourselves into a centre stage in the middle of Wembley with all these people watching, because effectively that's what it is. We want to stand out in the noise of online, you know, of the media. Um, but to do that, you've got to shout a bit louder, but you haven't really got to shout louder. You've just got to get noticed by the people that you would like. So start putting things in there that you like. And then that that um, that familiarity is it breaks a lot of the um, resistance in the first place. So people want to know that you are like them, that you are the same as them. So if you say like you so people, um, I think it's 27 times people need to see something 27 times before they actually make a decision nowadays it used to be that it was 8 to 15 uh, when I was back in doing my print advertising in the mag uh, but now it's 27 times apparently so if you think you've had quite a lot of chances by the time somebody started to follow you properly you've already got through quite a lot of their filters so by then you then can't say the wrong thing to the right person if they want it they want it and they're going to be a really sensitive soul if or, something, or you are really polarising, which I doubt any of you are being, um, to get rid of somebody that quickly. So just relax to the fact that talk in a way that they're like your buddy. So I know it's hard for you to look at yourself and say, well, how am I? What do I do? How do I speak? But you, you don't even need to do that. Just start sharing the things that you're passionate about. Start that, like anybody that knows me knows that I'm hugely passionate about like the education system. And But that's got nothing to do with my writing. But I still share things that I know loads of people I you know, my circles won't agree with, but I am too passionate about it to keep quiet, but I'm not going to put them off. They'll just be like, oh, you know, like, oh, she that's what she thinks. Or then my, if I really bang on about it, they'll be like, oh, she's on one again. Uh, but even then, that wouldn't stop them buying my copy services when they need my help. Um, so, but you know, they just see me. So they see, they need to build the person that you are by seeing that you are very, very human. Um, and the one thing that I, I think I might have said earlier or what we've been in our chat, uh, but... Um, how you do anything is how you do everything. So the way that I help, you know, one of the things I say to people is go and look at the state of your fridge. Go and look at the state of your, like, your bathroom. Go and look at the state of your bedroom. Look at the conversations that you have with people. Are you a really neat and tidy person? Because if you are, 
you probably speak in that way. There's a way you're you're very considered when you speak. If you're somebody that wings it a lot, you know, like your house is probably a bit more untidy and you're less um, attached to structure than some people are. So just start looking at like how you do things and start looking at the traits of your clients, of your customers and your students, because you'll start to see patterns and you're like, they are a version of you they won't they won't have liked you they won't if they didn't resonate with you I know there might not it might be an absence of pupils uh, sorry of teachers um but um they will still not come back on that second lesson if they really don't feel uh that if that resonance isn't there if they if you if you prickle them um because you're not a fit for each other they're, they're not going to learn anyway so it's in your interest to get rid of them so again it's more even more in your interest to just just be yourself because that will help people feel really safe when they're in your space yeah i'm a big believer about that and i've spoke about this before on the show how about i will talk quite openly about being a, an ally to the lgbtq plus community because yeah yeah not necessarily to attract that community but to detract the, yes. the yes. you know people that aren't if you like it's the same with bad language, isn't it? Like I, I deliberately swear in my copy because I don't want people that are really PC and by the book. We will not resonate. I want to be able, I don't want to have to tiptoe around you. I don't have to be worried that I'm going to offend you. I am really hard to offend and I don't resonate with people that are uh, touchy. That, that I, I don't. I never mean anything by anything that I say. If I'm having a laugh and a joke, my best mates are the ones that I annihilate the most. If I'm <laughs> annihilating you, like we are, we're good friends. See it as a compliment. So you've got i think you've got to have that filter those uh the beacons um in your words that show how you are as a person yeah um yeah so i mean we spoke there a little bit about finding your voice and how you can use your voice but i just want to touch on social media for a moment because it, i think it is the best way for for driving instructors to promote themselves you know you've got that constant stream that you can put out whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Twitter or, or, or whatever. I think the most commonly used one for instructors is Facebook. Um, but I don't necessarily think a large proportion of instructors use it brilliantly. I think that they don't always use a page. They'll use a personal page. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. Yeah. Um, they'll put pictures up of their pass passes, which is great, but it'll just be a picture and maybe a well done to so-and-so that's passed. Yeah. There might be the occasional odd thing goes up, but... Beyond that, there's very little. So how important do you think it is that we actually utilise that more and get on? Like you were talking before about the blogs. Now, your Facebook post doesn't necessarily want to be a thousand words long like a blog post. No, but, oh, no, no. But how important is it do we, that we utilise that more and actually get some more content relevant up there to attract people? So one of the things when – so when I work it – so I – there's a couple of packages that I've got where I um, an optimization package where I basically use software and tell you, you know, give you suggestions of what you could be writing for your blogs and stuff. And when I, and then, then I've got um, instructions on how you, that wasn't this isn't a pitch by the way, but I've got instructions on how you do things. But the biggest thing that I say to people is write your blog first because if you've done that, you've then you'll then find three to five points that you could make really easily that you could just throw onto your and you can even schedule them if especially if it's to a page can't do that to a personal profile but you can just you can even schedule it to a page so when you write your blog say like once a fortnight you sit and write a blog while you're there take an extra 10 minutes you know copy and paste almost a few sections from your blog that you can put into your social media put the link in it because you're you're this is your optimization you're bringing google will say oh well not only are you here 
you're linked out to here. So like Hyacinth Bouquet, she's happy that, you know, the vicar's coming along because the vicar's a trusted source. So Facebook is a trusted source. So you want that, it's called juice. You want that juice flowing between the different platforms and that will help to optimise your site. But I think you, I think intention is really, really important. So I think if you are somebody that you're already really booked up with word of mouth, you have to have your website in place so that people have got that, reassurance of where they can look and then the when I said about the difference between content and copy the social media is the content it's the chatter so if somebody isn't reassured enough by your website they are going to go and look for social media presence of you so I don't think it's vital um, and I think if you've only got so much time I would prioritize your website and your GMB listing because when you go into look for websites you don't you don't scroll through Facebook trying to find one. Sorry, when you're trying to find driving instructors, you don't scroll through web you know Facebook trying to find one. You go straight into Google. You go straight straight to a search engine. Uh, in the old days, it would have been a phone book, but nowadays, you know, it's Google. Um, so be where people are looking for you. Um, you know, and, and do that first. But be aware of the fact that that's probably not enough for people. They're going to want to see that you a website can be dormant. People know that you might like even if you've got a regular blog on it they still might not see that as current enough. They want to know that you've been active on Facebook, you know, or social media recently because they trust that more. So get into the habit. Of, if you get into the habit of doing your blogs, you, I think your social media is important because it's that reassurance that you are a human being. So the website and, and your Google listing, um, even though you've humanized it, that is still the business version of yourself. But they will probably want, if they're getting into a car with you, what they're going to be doing is their sense checks and they're going to do those via your social media presence. So between the two, that the, the social media could be the difference between that, you know, people are actually getting in touch or abandoning you and going for somebody else that does have both presences. Yeah, I, I, I concur with all that. I also could spend another hour here picking your brain, but I... <laughs> You know, I definitely want to get you on for another episode further down the line, but I don't want to take any more of your time today. So do you just want to uh, sort of tell people where they can find you, anything you got to promote? I know you said before you weren't pitching, but pitch to me. <laughs> um, so one of the ways I help people most, um, I used to do a fair bit of done-for-you stuff, so it might be that you say to me, oh, can you work with some blogs for my site? But I re- because I home-educate my son, I really struggle with that now uh, because it takes me quite a while to, you know, to actually get the time to sit and write. But where I've seen my kind of sweet spot is, one of the things that I really saw, especially in the creative space, and we can call it ADHD, and I definitely think there's going to be high incidence of ADHD peeps in your circles, and I hope that doesn't offend anybody, but when you're looking at, like, you know like they're hyper focused their ability to just shut out the world while they you know like uh, teach the pupils students uh, their ability to not panic when they're just about you know like they haven't hit the break enough you know there's, there's traits that I'm going to call them superpowers um you know there are, are traits that are perfect in you guys that are really well set up for that um you know for the for the driving space so I would definitely take that a little bit more seriously and just think well okay what are my strong traits what are my strengths um, and this is where I work best with people. So um, recently, like I, I recently put out an offer where I'm coaching people for two weeks through their businesses to help them with the structure, to help them with the copy, you know, like whatever it is. So it might be that, like, you know, like you say, right, we'll start on Tuesday. And I'm like, right, OK, we're going to get you a GMB listing set up and I'll show you how to do it. It might be that I'll show you how to write a blog. And I'll give you tips and information on that as we go. So it doesn't matter. I've got, you've already seen, I've got quite a, a, a suite, an arsenal of tools. 
Um, but this is where it works really well because I love the fact that I get under your bonnet. I look up, you know, and the biggest thing that I have to help people do is understand that we are, um, we run in cycles, energetic cycles. You cannot be nine till five. You cannot be always on. We don't work in that way. Um, so I help you structure your, so if I know that, I don't know, once a month, you're going to have four days where your brain just goes into a void and you hibernate and you hate the world. We need to allow for that in advance. And that is a really regular occurrence. So what one of the things, my favorite things is coaching people for a couple of weeks because I show you your patterns, your cycles and if you haven't got your business structure set up properly, and like even with the driving instructor model, you're, you're going to need to be promoting yourself. There's admin side to your, you know, like we all know that the actual part of the job that you're doing is now a small part of a business because you've got to do all the other stuff as well. Um, so, but with, with the two weeks with you, I can show you where, where you're getting in your own way and say, well, I, I remind you that that's actually normal because I think the permission to just be, you know yourself within your own business so that's one of the ways that you can work with me um and then the other is i do um i can do some software research for you um they're 99 pound where i give you a selection of blog topics um but i give you all of the top ranking websites that are in those topics so you've got ideas and suggestions on you know like and people would like obviously i'm putting this to you and you've got an audience of um purely driving instructors for instance and people are like well if if we all do the same thing sure we're all going to write the same thing you're not you're really not you're going to write your own version of like so it's actually got examples of the top ranking website and then the actual uh article that ranked for that so in one fell swoop you've got all of your competition in one place but you've got god knows how many delicious topics that you could be writing on um so that's one thing that you know so between those two that's probably um, and then the, I do actually help people set up their GMB listings. Um, that's 149 quid. So um, those, those three things, those three things are the main way. So for your audience, is probably the easiest way to work with me. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done the uh, the. Is it you can't, uh, Nick in your pocket? Is it for the two weeks with Nick? Yeah, yeah, um, in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, um, I haven't done that yet. Uh, there's a clue there, right? But. I genuinely think that's one of the things that would really, really help driving instructors. I think if you're listening to this and, and you need a bit of help with, you know, copy, SEO, website, anything around that. I mean, I promote everyone that comes on the show. Obviously, it's what the, the show's about. Yeah. But I, I think that that would be something that would be absolutely awesome for, for a lot of driving instructors that are either looking to grow the business or using this opportunity when we've got loads of custom at the minute because the, there's a backlog of driving tests. Use this opportunity to take the time to build up your business for when yes. it, it drops down again. I, I honestly, I think that, that that two weeks would just work brilliantly for, for a lot of instructors a minute. You know, it's not a, a heavy investment. It's not something where we're saying, right, you've no, got to work not, with us yeah. for 12 weeks. Yeah. I just think that will be would be brilliant so yeah somewhere I'll be well, definitely well, it works because I, I've, I've run through it so it, that was one of the things that helped me realize about my own ADHD as well by the way because um I ran it once as a when I when I discovered the app that I use I was like oh this could straight away I could see somebody jumped in me at Meredith Hicks she jumped in and she's like oh Nick you'd like this showed it me and within a day because it was brand new and within a day I worked it out I got systems in there I got videos in there I got intro videos and I invited people into it with a coaching package and she was like oh my god um but what was hilarious was when I launched it as that first offer um 15 people took me up on it 14 of them were ADHD 
And I didn't eat at that point. I didn't even mention ADHD. But what I do work with are people that are non-standard and quirky. And, you know, like I, I say misfits and delinquents. Um, but what's really what was really interesting was um, not only were there was there a high incidence of ADHD, there was a, also a couple of people that are bipolar, for instance. Um, so um, I hope this isn't offended by saying this. But one of the things that I've seen in my experience is with driving instructors, there was a, my, my dad's in the Navy. So there was a hell of a lot of uh, military people that, you know, maybe they come out of the military, they've got a pocket of money and they're trained as a driving instructor. I saw that loads in my uh, earlier years. Um, so and obviously in the military there's a lot of PTSD and a lot of experience and there's a lot of trauma there um, and I think the fact that you're all working in a way that you're on your own and you've got your own company and you're happy with your own company for most of the day quite often you know there's I'm, I'm going to say you know I'm going to use the word issues well we've got our own everybody's got our own issues but we need to we, we really do need to just have permission to be allowed to have them so and this is one of the things in the two weeks you're like I don't say to you right, this is how you need to promote your, your business. I look at you and say, right, you're, this is going to stop you doing that. This is going to stop you doing that. You need to allow for that build in a way that you are allowed to have that. I don't say, right, this is how you do business. Let's squash you into that model because I hate that myself. You know, I really can't stand it. You know, like, you know, what you're saying about like feeling like the... Um, out of oasis you know your hands down you know I hit it it's, it is you feel like you've got your hands tied and you're squashed into this model whereas I look at you and they're like right we build around you in a way that it's got to be sustainable because otherwise you're going to build it and you're going to loop back round, and you're not going to do it you're not you're not going to maintain it um, and so that's been my favorite thing about the two weeks yeah I, I, I will be recommending it because I think that's some of that will work brilliantly for instructors and and as you touched on there sometimes uh, as business owners we need permission and we're not always good at giving ourselves permission to do stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll give a quick example now of uh, the minute I've got sciatica as we're recording this, I'm stood up, you know, doing it because I can't sit down. But the other day I was, I kind of forced myself to go to a lesson and I'm pulling over every 10 minutes to get out of the car and stretch, probably less than every 10 minutes. And I messaged my student and just said, look, I'm running a bit late because I'm having to get out every five minutes because I'm in too much pain. She texted yeah. me back and she went, why are you coming over, Nobed? Just take the day <laughs> off. And I'm like, oh yeah, that, that makes more sense. I'll do that. And but I hadn't thought to give myself permission to take the time off. I'm I'm a business owner. I have to go and deliver these lessons. And it was her saying that and kicking me up the backside to be like, yeah, do you know what? All right, screw it, week off until I get to doctors. And that's the best course of action, but it needed someone else it to is. give me permission. And another I know I sound like I'm banging the ADHD drum but it's because there were so many realizations that I had struggled with myself and there's a lot of struggle like the the entrepreneurial space um there's a lot of dysfunction in it because it's either that we didn't fit in a normal society or it's that we are entrepreneurial driven and being an entrepreneur means that or, or business owner you know you've got to do a lot of trial and error so there's a lot of failure in that and if you but where that doesn't work with the ADHD mindset is that if we've got a really we we're huge um what's the word like we're, we're really critical we are over critical of ourselves and we are huge people pleasers so the thought of us letting people down we've got a, a re rejection disorder we've got a real fear of rejection and letting people down really plays into that um and that that's an actual like comorbidity of adhd it's really prevalent um so if you think your entire lens on life is i need to not let people down 
you, you can't allow for the fact that traffic is going to be late. You can't allow for the fact that a car might not work one day. All of that stuff. But we we wear it. We feel it. And then we see, you know, we, we, it feels really bad to us in comparison to somebody that would just have a more critical approach on it. We're like, well, shit happens. Uh, we're not like that. We carry it all. We really carry it. And we just don't like letting people down. So that's another thing with... You know, like when you then think of that approach, like, well, what if I don't say the right things online? You know, what if my pass rate, what if somebody else's pass rates are higher than mine? Well, what if I'm not as new as that? What if I'm more expensive than somebody? There's all of these what ifs in, you know, this compa- we say about, you know, don't compare yourself to people, but you're going to, um, but we put ourselves on the back footing naturally. Nobody else does. We're really good at doing that ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, so uh, I really appreciate you giving up your time, Sarah. Do you want to just quickly tell people, I'll put all the links in the show notes and it'll be on the website as well. So if you're listening and you're enjoying what Nick's got to say, make sure you check out the show notes and go find her on the website. But where can people find you? Where's the best place for people to find you, Nick? Um, it's probably actually just on my main, like, friends be on, um, you know, let me know who you are. I am a little bit um, territorial over who I let into my facebook profile uh, but if they're one of your peeps then you know just drop me a little message to say hey i've just been requested you but you know i've listened to on terry's podcast um because there's still plenty of room there um i i'm not somebody like i, I just enjoy people if we resonate we resonate if we don't we don't so that would be enough um and then you know then you get a chance to see like how i show up and you know people are always welcome to drop me a dm to say you know like you know what would be the best thing for this i'm not ever if i think that i'm not the person for you i am never going to sell you one of my services because i don't want to work with you <laughs> bluntly <laughs> i don't want to work with somebody that i don't enjoy but what the people that are in my audience i really resonate with so obviously i've got my website which is called literally yours uh, 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 you've got two Y's in it, literally yours.co.uk. But you, you're better off just, you know, just friend requesting me and saying hello, and you know, go, go from there. I'm, I'm very friendly. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I uh, really appreciate you joining me today. Thank you for all your time and wonderful advice. Yeah, more than welcome. I've loved it. Thank you. So a big thank you to Nick for joining me there. That was fascinating. I really I enjoy all these conversations, as you're aware, but really enjoyed that one. Loads of little hints and tips that we can put into play straight away around our copy and around our SEO. But on top of that, there's some some bigger things we can do. So diving in with the, the smaller things like just committing to write a blog once a fortnight, once a month, something like that. But then we can expand on that by using that for, you know, Facebook posts and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, fascinating. And and you heard me mention it during the show, but I'm going to just take a brief moment to mention it again now. I'd recommend listening again to the show with a notepad and pen because there was a, a lot spoken about there. And I would also recommend, as I said during the show, taking Nick up on the offer, um, the Nick in your pocket, the rocket in your pocket, two weeks. It's something that I will be utilising at some point. I think that for us instructors... That, that don't necessarily want to or would benefit from a you know huge investment that's gonna take 12 20 weeks or whatever but you know this little two week thing that could just help get us on track and having someone that you can ask these questions so that's a bit of an expert and can guide you in the di- right direction I think that this is is perfect for a lot of, of the smaller driving schools the the independent people like myself I think that's a, a brilliant offer there. But I did promise you that I will tell you a bit more about the new podcast, the ADI Stories podcast. So 
Essentially, as I mentioned at the start of the show, this will be out on the 17th of every month. It's going to be a monthly podcast where I speak to a different ADI about their journey as an ADI, the premise of it being that we get to see we're not alone in this industry. One of the, the biggest pieces of feedback I've had from this podcast is it's, it's helped show people they're not alone. But this podcast isn't aimed at that. The Instructor podcast is aimed at, obviously, providing education, information and inspiration. But the ADI Stories podcast is going to be there to talk about the problems we've overcome as ADIs and how we've evolved and, and looking at how we've progressed and that side of it. Really looking forward to get stuck into this. And the best way to, for you to get it is to either go and search wherever you listen to podcasts. So when you're listening to this now, you can go find the search bar and type in ADI Stories. That should come up. Or... You can go and look on my social media. You'll find it over there, or it will be up on the website at some point on the instructorpodcast.com. Now, you will need to subscribe to it separately. It is a separate podcast. You won't get it in this feed. I may throw one up. I may throw the trailer up, but you won't get the regular episodes in this feed. So you will need to go and subscribe to it. So go and do that now wherever you're listening, Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever. So it goes straight into feed. And if you would like to be a guest in it, if you think you've got a story that you want to share, let me know. We'll see if we can get you on. We've got a few people lined up already, but definitely get in touch and we'll see if we can get you on. And that's Terry's tip. That's the recommendation for today. The ADI stories, you can find it in the link for the show notes. So you can search it on your podcasts or search it on social media or even the, the Instructor Podcast website. But I will leave that there and I hope you all have a smashing day and I look forward to coming back with an upper episode next weekend. The Instructor Podcast with Terry Cook. Talking with leaders, innovators, experts and game changers about what drives them.